0: Welcome to AJHP Voices, a series of discussions with AJHP authors and interviews focused on contemporary practice issues. AJHP is the official journal of ASHP, and its mission is to advance science, pharmacy practice, and health outcomes.
1: Hi, this is Daniel Koba, the Editor-in-Chief of AJHP. Thank you for joining us for this episode of AJHP Voices. This podcast engages authors from recent AJHP publications who will give us an inside look at their research and explore the impactful, relevant, and cutting-edge professional and scientific content that drives optimal medication use and health outcomes. Today, we'll be discussing the commentary, Enhancing Pharmacy Residency Training Program Quality and Efficiency Through Alignment of Pharmacy Residency Programs Within the Multi-Entity Health System, which was recently published on agehp.org. Our guests today are Dr. Janet Sylvester, Vice President of the Office of Accreditation Services at ASHP, Dr. Julie Dagum, Pharmacy Residency Program Manager, Advocate, Aurora Health, and Dr. Jamie Kalis, Director of Pharmacy at Henry Ford Health System. Thank you all for joining me today. Jamie, what was the driving force behind the decision to develop this article?
0: Well, all of the authors on this paper were part of the Commission on Credentialing on or around the time that we developed this paper. And, uh, you know, when you're on the commission and, and you see a lot of programs, you can tell when there's health systems that there's some coordination in terms of, of how they do different things at their prog- at their programs across the health system. And so it really got us talking about the idea of collaboration across the health system as a mechanism to really drive quality in the, the program. And so we had some um, some discussions around that at the commission meetings. And it actually was Janet Sylvester's idea that maybe we, we should put a paper out to kind of socialize this idea and get it out there and get people talking about, about this concept of spreading the best practices across the health system.
1: Got it. So... I mean, the benefits of standardization seem pretty evident, but what do you see as the, the greatest benefits as somebody who serves as a an accreditor and also as a pharmacy executive yourself?
0: Well, I think that we, in the health system side of things, spend a lot of time trying to standardize how we take care of patients, our policies, our protocols, and why wouldn't we do the same thing? With our residency training programs, I think it's a really great way to share resources because oftentimes within a health system, there are certain resources at some places that are not at others, and there's ways to share those things. But also, you know, we should be producing the same outcome—our graduates of our residency programs—and you know, if we can if we can collaborate across the system to do that, I think that's that's really a big value.
1: So along with the author team, who else participated in the development of the recommendations? You mentioned that this really emanated out of the, the commission in a way. So who else participated?
0: So there were, it was certainly a topic of discussion at some of our, our meetings. Our smaller group, which I think mostly made up the author group, had report outs at the big commission meeting, but also Catherine Fulgeniti and Stephen Ford at, at Accreditation Services provided some more content input in the drafting stages of of the manuscript as well. I see. So Janet, from the perspective of the
1: accrediting body, what are the benefits of this type of standardization?
2: Well, if if a multi-hospital health system standardizes around the strengths of the residency programs that are within that system, then the quality of all of the residency programs in the system is improved. So ultimately this standardization around best practices elevates the training experience for all of the residents in the programs in the system. And the standardization of the documents and the policies and processes can also create efficiencies for the residency program directors. So it can save them time. And as Jamie was alluding to resources within the system so that a lot of that effort doesn't have to be duplicated. So once it is created, it can then be shared for those things that, are, that can be shared across the system r- related to residency programs.
1: Okay. So, in the in the article, you provide high level descriptions, uh, more aggregate data of programs that have aligned their processes. How has that affected the actual accreditation experience when you go out to look at those programs?
2: Well, it's interesting, Dan, that when we go look at newer residency programs that are within a multi-hospital system that does collaborate and standardize, there's a distinct advantage for them with regard to accreditation readiness. They have the opportunity to be mentored by more veteran programs within the system. That really helps them in the design of their program, the development of policies and procedures, all of that, as well as if they are writing their responses to a survey visit, they can also get help with uh, what evidence to provide and how to write a good survey response. So we find that these newer hospitals that are within a system that has a lot of experience and collaborates, they tend to do better on accreditation survey initially than the standalone programs.
1: I see, okay.
2: Additionally, uh, let me add um, also that we've had surveyors tell us that um, when they go to survey a large system and they are in the initial uh, program within that system and they, let's say, find a deficiency on a policy, before they get to the next program within that system, that's already been resolved and the remaining programs within the system are found to be in alignment with the standard, and that's generally because the use of a system rack or a system committee that really facilitates communication about best practice across the system. So even in the middle of a survey, you can see corrections in the program's alignment with the standard in the process of going from one program to another. It's pretty amazing how effective that can be.
1: Yeah that sounds it's impressive it, it really it's a real time quality improvement almost it's 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 really fascinating the something you might not even expect as a di- downstream effect so Jamie when you look at the 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 residency training experience and look at multi hospital health systems where are some of the opportunities for standardization
0: well, I think I think it really depends on uh, on your system, and um, you know I think if you're you're new to standardizing in in your residency programs, it might be good to go for some quick wins, some some of the easier, low-lying fruit things like like policies and infrastructure type things. Maybe sharing orientation responsibilities because we all have system clinical policies that all the residents need to learn about. You know, it can lighten the load and get people to kind of buy into the whole idea of, of this makes sense. I think also connecting the residents, getting ways for the, you're creating ways for the residents to be able to uh, socialize across. So even if you have a smaller program of two, one or two residents, they still have a larger class to interact with. I think that's kind of an easy Way to connect programs um, and and get them interacting more, and then I think if you want to find something that's a little more possibly impactful for the the residents themselves, you, you might look at the whole project uh, management process and and if you have say certain resources like college faculty at one institution using those those faculty to help. Um, elevate the the project management of all of the residents across the the system. That might have a bigger impact on your residents themselves and and improving their their project experience for the year. Got it. Julie, what would you add to that?
3: Yeah, I would totally agree with all of Jamie's points. And I would add the benefit of centrally coordinating recruiting as one of the really big key opportunities for standardization. And, And the reason why I say that is because That's a really good first step in starting the alignment concept is that you're promoting this portfolio of programs that you offer across your system. And sometimes that's really, really helpful to leverage the branding that you have for your organization. Um, Recruiting is something that all programs have to do. So it's, it's really nice to be able to sort of centrally coordinate that so that you've got Maybe each of the individual programs don't have to put in the individual time and resources into registering for fairs or things like that. So you can kind of centrally do that. Um, it also really expands each of the individual programs reach. So geographically, if your organization is, is spread, you can really expand your footprint of, of the candidates that you might be attracting. It's also great for new programs. When you get a new program that you've added into your organization, it really increases the visibility of that new program when it's being promoted right along with all of the other programs in the organization and and things like that. So I think all of those pieces are are really, really helpful and really important, but also a really good first step if you're looking to um, go down the alignment journey with your organization.
1: I have a couple of follow-up questions that I, I think uh, that based on some things that both of you said, and, and and Jamie, I'll start with you. You had mentioned the consistency in the project experience, and uh, I, I'm wondering what type of of feedback you get from the residents themselves uh, regarding that consistency? Uh, you know, at Henry Ford, for example, have you heard positive things from the residents in terms of when you bring that consistency in that it makes the overall ex- project experience higher quality for them?
0: I think so. We have a couple of College of Pharmacy faculty, and we one of the things we rely on them for is to you know, use their their expertise and their vested interest in participating in scholarly activity to, to kind of take a lead. And so they, they serve two functions. One is they, they kind of lead the group that evaluates the quality of the ideas on the front end of the projects. You know, good ideas often lead to good resident projects and, and the opposite is true. And so um, they can help to refine those ideas early on. And I think our residents have had good experience from that but then also they they can provide more of a longitudinal training opportunity for our residents um, and that's across the system where you know they they talk about the different aspects of um, good project design data collection data analysis um, at the time of the year where it makes most sense because that's where everybody's at with their project and so I think that's, that's been a really, I mean, we've, we've taken advantage of that at our, at our Detroit campus, but our community hospital partners haven't had that resource until we, we started this collaboration across our programs. And so now, you know, we share that resource and, and all of our projects, I think, have, um, have improved in, in quality and, and the experience of that resident, those residents has, has improved in their understanding of how, what they're doing with their project.
1: Got it, got it. And, and you know, Julius, I was listening to you and some of the examples you gave, and one of the things that came to mind as you talk about, uh, you know, the the connectivity between the programs, I'm wondering, are is there then an effect on uh, early commitments from people who want to go for, you know, into a PGY? by two within the same system. And and that I open that up maybe both to Julie, you, and to Jamie and and Janet as well. I'm just interested. Is there any effect on the early commitment process?
3: I can start out, and, and, and I do think that there is an effect on the early commitment process, partially because when you have students that are looking for residencies, sometimes they have an idea of, hey, I might be interested in cardiology or I might be interested in oncology or things like that. And they may look at systems that offer those PGY-2 programs within within the same organization for the, the student or the potential resident, it's advantageous because they don't have to leave the organization for their PGY-1 and then their PGY-2 training. From a program standpoint, it's great because you've got a resident who is trained and you don't have to train them again as a second year resident if they stay with you. Um, but I think sometimes it's it's that awareness too of, of, of students saying, hey, I didn't, I didn't realize that you had all these different ID programs within your system or, or things like that. So it may not necessarily be the early commit piece, but it may be the piece of doing your PGY two at the same within the same organization that you do your PGY one.
1: Got it, got it. Janet, Jamie, what would you add to that?
2: Well, one thing I can add uh, is if there's been a steady increase in the number of early commits to your specific question. And of course, last year could have been influenced by the pandemic, but we also see that there's an advantage to residents who stay within a system through that process because they don't have to seek licensure in another state. And we've had lots of issues with timely licensure and making sure uh, a resident is licensed within the time allowed in the standard. So that's a huge advantage. And I think that applicants are becoming more aware of that. And I think are looking in advance of their PGY-1 even to say, well, I think as Julie said, I might be interested in ID. So I wanna look at PGY-1s who also have an ID PGY-2 where they could potentially early commit or apply in the regular
0: match process. Jamie, anything to add? I would just say that anybody who has any PGY-2s, we can't keep all of our PGY-1s, but our PGY-1s still benefit from the fact that we have PGY-2 trained people usually around that have a network. And I think that collaborating with other program PGY-1s within the system can expose those PGY-1 residents to um Preceptors that may be able to connect them to other RPDs across the country in their specialty area, or give them advice even just like you would see with your own PGY2 RPD talking to one of your own PGY ones. So I think that networking is is a big potential advantage too. So in the in the first table in your article, you actually
1: Provided uh, readers of the article, programs that might be considering this, you know, you identified 16 areas where there are opportunities for standardization. So in many ways, you provided a nice roadmap. And I guess the question that came to my mind as I was reviewing the article and getting ready for our conversation today was, you know, what guidance do you have uh, in terms of prioritizing those areas of focus? I guess maybe there's not a one-size-fits-all approach, but just wondering how you would guide other programs in terms of that prioritization. I don't know who wants to take that first. Uh, Julie, if you wanted to tackle it first, or Jamie or Janet. It's an open question.
3: Sure, I can start. I, I would definitely agree with your point that there isn't necessarily a roadmap or a secret formula of, of which to tackle first or in what order. But what I think is important is if you take a look at what you have with your programs and, and your program directors and where might your program directors already identify those needs or what might be some areas that your program directors are already struggling. You know, they may say hey, I I could really use some help with preceptor development. I find find it really challenging to to set that out for my preceptors each year, things like that. Um, Or there might be some things that the program directors are, it's on their list already to say, you know what, we really ought to revise this. This isn't going as well as we would like to in our program, or we'd like to take a look at that from a a quality assurance standpoint. So in some cases, the the RPDs themselves are like, this is on my list to already look at why don't we look at it as a big group? Because if I'm struggling with this, maybe there's another RPD in my system who's also struggling with this. And and that's a, I think that's a really good way of approaching it because it also takes you to starting your alignment strategies with where there might be a big value add. And it also really helps to create kind of this, maybe the buy-in concept or building momentum from the alignment standpoint to say, all right, well. If, if we need to do this, we, we can do this together and then kind of keep building from there.
1: Janet, as a from a, I guess, a big picture perspective as the accreditor, uh, is, is that the approach that um, I guess that you're seeing maybe and also that you'd even recommend in terms of looking at how to prioritize some of those areas that are included in table one?
2: Well, I love Julie's approach and comment about the things that somebody might be struggling with. But I think Jamie already referenced a little bit earlier that you can look at the low-hanging fruit. What's really easy to standardize? And, you know, you can look at what people get cited on in common areas and address those so that everybody across the system then is compliant or things like policies that are easy to standardize um, across a system, or even some of the processes like Julie's talking about recruitment. So I think that sometimes if you start early, it gets people accustomed with, with the easier things. It gets people accustomed to having that type of communication and contributing to some standardization. But one of the things that that we talked about early in our discussion here was standardizing around best practices. So I think that you might wanna take some time to identify where those best practices are and then systematically go through and bring everybody up to the level of that best practice. Then your whole system uh, reflects all of the best practices within the organization.
1: Okay. So Jamie, Janet made reference to policies, and in the article, you know, there are some specific examples of policies that can be standardized. Can you walk us through some of those?
0: I think some of the big ones that often come up during uh, accreditation surveys, like the licensure policy, the duty hour policy, the dismissal policy, and the leave policy. It's kind of a, a common area where it's hard to get it just right because you can't think of all the different scenarios unless you've lived some of those scenarios. And sometimes, I mean, I have policies that I I can attribute to certain past residents and, and to be able to share that with our program director at our newest PGY-1 residency program, that's great experience that can be shared because he hasn't had to deal with a struggling resident or, or a resident that didn't get licensed on time and things like that. So I think sometimes you have to have used the policies to actually have an effective policy and, and, and that's those those are some of the big ones um, that I think are, are easy to standardize. Um, the other thing you might think about is if you're providing funding for a travel to a meeting and you have some sort of a travel policy, it probably makes sense to give all residents the same stipend towards travel to mid-year or, you know, if we let them go to a different meeting if they're PGY2, that kind of thing, uh, kind of standardizing that across the system is in policy form is also a good idea.
1: So, Julie, we've been talking uh, in, in many ways about the principles that are laid out in the article and certainly about uh, there have been a lot of great examples of implementing, you know, through your experience, uh, what Jamie's talked about, Janet's perspectives as well. But now, thinking about what you do at Advocate Aurora Health, have you aligned residency programs across multiple sites within Advocate Aurora Health?
3: That's a great question. We, We have, and I will say that it is always a work in progress as well. But some of the areas that we really focused on across the system have been recruiting, like we talked about, um, centralized recruiting and coordinating that. Um, Jamie did a great job talking about a lot of the policies and things like that. So we've done a lot of alignments around the policies, Um, some other procedural kinds of things. For example, what is the definitions of the rating scales that preceptors may use for evaluations and things like that? And we really looked at um, some of our programs that have preceptors that precept in multiple programs and thought, what would make sense for a preceptor? If I'm a preceptor in a PGY-1 program and a PGY-2 program, what would make sense for me to not have to duplicate because I'm a preceptor in two programs, right? So um, we looked at standardizing our preceptor appointments and reappointment criteria. And that was really helpful for preceptors that precept in multiple programs. Jamie talked about project management. That is something that has had a huge value add for us and our organization. And and when you look at the number of residents across the system and thinking about, all right, how can we align our projects to really be meaningful to the organization and really tying those to our organization's strategic plan and those kinds of things like that. And also making sure that we don't have projects that are overlapping of, of each other or competing for resources or things like that. Um, So those are some of the really big ticket items that we've done across the system. And we've also had an opportunity to maybe standardize across some programs on a smaller scale. And, And really where this comes up is when you've got multiple programs either at the same site or when we start, say, a brand new PGY-1 program within the organization, kind of thinking about, all right, if we're a brand new PGY-1 program in the organization, what might be this like? core package of stuff that would be great to have from the organization that, that, that we can use to kind of start our residency program. So as we talked about things like the, you know, the policies and recruiting and those kinds of things, but also some templates for various residency specific kinds of things like the development plan. If you look as, as a new program developing those kinds of things, it's really nice to have some of those templates from programs that have been there, or as as Janet talked about, best practices or things like that. So there there's definitely it's it's definitely a work in progress. And there's always opportunities to continue to evolve. Um, so some of our alignment is maybe more advanced than some of our other aspects of alignment, but but that's what makes this such an important topic.
1: Jamie, a similar experience at Henry Ford?
0: I think so we've tackled different pieces at different times. I I think you know, starting easy is is a is a good way to kind of get everybody to buy in and and be on board with things. But as we got comfortable with that, it became more. You know, why can't we do this all the same way? Uh, this part of the residency program, and then people, you know, people across the system start thinking that way. And you know, one of the things that we want to do now is kind of keep a catalog of what are we standardized on and what are we not, and you know, where where is there future opportunities to Uh, do things in a in a similar manner you've both been
1: in your responses very very positive about the process you know but you said it's it's something that it's always a work in progress but you you've really pointed out all the positives but i would imagine that alignment of programs across multiple sites while it seems completely logical but there are also challenges i i imagine and jamie is that
0: a fair assessment I think when you're trying to standardize, that's always a fair assessment. I think that the people that I've worked with in my own system on residency standardization are the same people I worked with five years ago, 10 years ago on clinical policy protocol standardization. Um, and it was new back then, but you know, we're, we're over all of that and we, we kind of know how to work in that way. And so it's just kind of changing the, the focus a bit once we identified things that uh, made sense to do in a similar way or take a similar approach it became easier and easier to identify new things but i think the other the other challenge is some things are not going to be able to be exactly the same from one site to the next you know for example we all we all have a, an internal medicine learning experience description but i can't take my internal medicine learning experience description and Give it to the program director of our 350 bed hospital, and then just adopt that because there's different composition of the team, there's different um, role of the pharmacist potentially, there's and so there's differences, but we could take the same template and all use the same template and have a similar look and feel that we know aligns with accreditation standards and and will result in um, you know a, a good learning product for the for the resident Um, so i think having a little bit of a a little bit of flexibility about what standardization is some things can just be packaged up with a bow and and adopted by another program other things you have to kind of keep the concept and and adapt it um, a little bit to what's going on on the ground at that hospital Your comment
1: on working with people, you know, maybe five or 10 years ago on clinical practice standardization also makes me think about when a new entity is incorporated into a larger health system, that there really are probably a number of competing priorities. If it's formulary consistency or IT systems or and clinical practice standardization and where does residency program standardization fall in that can it be done are these things that can be done in parallel or is there some logical stepwise process that needs to be followed in terms of prioritization
0: I would say that probably can be done in parallel but it, it's obviously going to depend on the situation I think some of the if some of the clinical, protocols and things are are already standardized then that that drives you towards doing more things similar as as a residency program at least orienting your residents and, and getting them up to speed on on the the way you do things in your organization um, but there's definitely competing priorities depending on the size of, of the organizations you know sometimes the rpd is the same person that is going to standardize clinical practice and develop policies, protocols, and guidelines, and so you know they have limited bandwidth, and you have to kind of balance that. But I think it, it's, it's going to depend on the on the organization. We, we've we've kind of set priorities from a from a system service line level to in our strategic plan to to make this a priority. But uh, you know we've been at this a little bit for a little bit now, and so um, we've had some time. To develop that, and at first the focus was really on clinical protocols, clinical practice.
1: Okay. Julie, what about again at Advocate Aurora? Is it, uh, you know, when I want uh, to get into the the discussion of challenges with you also, but also that prioritization of residency standardization, uh, along with everything else that needs to be standardized, when you bring a new uh, hospital in.
3: Yeah, no, I I agree with Jamie. I think there's a lot of aspects that can be done in parallel because as you're looking at different things across the organization that you're bringing together, especially if there's new hospitals that enter in the system or things like that, um, there's certainly an assessment as to the residency programs too because the, the residents are so embedded in clinical practice that as you are standardizing some of those things from just a department standpoint, that naturally is going to filter into the residents and and help train them in kind of that system-minded approach. But also the residents can help drive some of that change too. So, you know, depending on things like standardizing formulary and you've got residents who may be working on formulary monographs, or they might be working on MUEs or those kinds of things like that. So I think there's a lot of aspects that can be Carefully considered and done in parallel and and, and obviously there's always going to be a a prioritization that that um, gets evaluated, but I think the residents can be a huge driver in that as well. Um, The residents themselves typically they get really excited about being part of that system work too, because this is the real world and, and they're getting this real world great experience. So it's I think it's a win win for the department and for the residents in the residency program.
1: Got it. So, Janet, when you take a step back as the accreditor and what you hear from programs, what your own observations are, your team's observations, where are the challenges?
2: Well, I think from our perspective, the benefits far outweigh the challenges, but there are some challenges. For example, I think programs need to, within a system, programs need to assure that Uh, residents at smaller hospitals within the system have the same opportunities as residents at a larger medical center, even though the resources supporting those two programs may uh, be a little bit different. So, for example, if there's a system-wide project or MUE, like Julie was talking about, where maybe the preceptor is at the larger medical center campus, but there are residents participating at other sites, smaller sites perhaps, and those residents haven't had the same opportunity for modeling, coaching, or feedback and support as those at the main campus. That can be a problem, and we've actually cited people for that. So, and the same thing can happen with a system PT committee or safety committee, those kinds of things. So, I think there should be a mechanism or needs to be a mechanism to ensure that um, all the residents have equal opportunity to participate in some of these system wide initiatives and that their support and um, whomever is pre-secting them gives them the same level of support regardless of what site they might be representing.
1: So Janet, switching gears a bit, uh, and this is something that was focused on in the in the paper as well. I mean, there's been a significant amount of focus recently on pass-through funding for pharmacy residency programs, and so does standardization of training across multiple across multi-hospital health systems. Does that have an effect on pass-through funding?
2: Well, in a perfect world, standardization should have no impact on eligibility for CMS, graduate medical education funding for residency programs. But we have seen some CMS funding denials. So just to step back a second, remember that the CMS GME pass-through funding is a provider-based payment system. So CMS, through their auditors or the MACs, want to see evidence that the provider, which is the organization that submits the cost report, controls the residency curriculum. If they think that the residency is controlled by the system rather than locally, then the funding can be at risk. And so programs have to demonstrate independent operational control. And ASHP actually met with CMS, remarkably, in December of 2019. And we wanted to discuss with them the activities of their MACs with regard to some of these funding denials. And we asked for some technical guidance to be provided to the MACs around uh, this whole idea of independent operational control. Because we've been seeing, of course, all of this consolidation of systems across the country. So this was becoming a larger issue and a big target for these MACs. And while we got some agreement in our discussions with CMS, we have yet to see any follow-up from that in the in the form of the technical assistance or any other follow-up with us. So I think the waters are still a little bit murky in this. So our caution is just to have programs, even if they're operating within a system that collaborates and standardizes, that when they are being audited, that they can demonstrate this independent um, operational control so that they are not subject to some uh, scrutiny over payment.
1: Important points. And with that, that's all the time we have today. I want to thank Dr. Janet Sylvester. Dr. Julie Dagum and Dr. Jamie Kalis for joining us today to discuss their article, Enhancing Pharmacy Residency Training Program Quality and Efficiency Through Alignment of Pharmacy Residency Programs Within the Multi-Entity Health System, which was recently published on ajhp.org. Please join us here each month for discussions of contemporary practice issues and interviews with AJHP authors. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your colleagues, family, friends, and via your social media of choice. Thanks, everyone.
0: Thank you for listening to AJHP Voices. For more information about AJHP, the premier source for impactful, relevant, and cutting edge professional and scientific content that drives optimal medication use and health outcomes. Please visit AJHP.org.